Welcome to Home But Not Alone with Tim and Sarah, where we talk about real life as a stay-at-home Catholic parent. If it's noon and you're still in your pajamas, have reheated your coffee three times, and tried to pray but got distracted, this is the place for you. Life is crazy, but through it all, remember, you're never alone. You've got God's grace and our friendship coming your way. Today on Home But Not Alone, we're going to chat about the theology of our favorite Disney princess movies. I'm super excited about this episode. We have a lot to say. We love our Disney princess movies, and we can't wait to share our thoughts about the theology in there. I did have one disclaimer. We're not saying that the things that we bring up are at all intended by the makers of the movies or implied, but they're just how we are interpreting these movies and seeing them through our Catholic lens. And our sponsor for today is Corda Candles. We can't wait to introduce you to their products at CordaCandles.com. Hey, Tim. Hey, Sarah. What's on your desk today? So as, as you mentioned, we got this, uh, this sponsor, Corda Candles, and I have this, this candle from them because, you know, they make candles. And so I, I have uh, I have anxiety and insomnia, um, but ever since I get this this candle from them called Roses in Winter, I've actually been more relaxed at night. Okay. And in fact, earlier today, I, I walked into my bedroom and the candle wasn't even lit. It was just, it had been lit yesterday and it was it just as a very good smelling candle. I walk in the room and my first thought was, man, my bedroom smells good. This is clean. And then I realized, no, it's not clean. It just has, it's the candle. It wasn't even, so, you know, in, in my house, this is going to become a substitute for cleaning. Is, oh, nice. Uh, that's, um, but, and I'm not suggesting, I said I have insomnia and, and anxiety. I'm not suggesting this is any sort of a, a medical treatment, but we all know that the, the right scent can be relaxing. And I think a lot of us forget, we hear that, you know, we hear the word sensual and we tend to mix it up with the word sexual, whereas right. we are sensual beings. We all have five senses and we, you know, just like with say the mass, we perceive it, we, we see it with our eyes, we hear the sounds, we, we smell the incense and man, nothing clears up my sinuses like that incense. But the uh, you know we we are intended to be sensual beings, and we need to care for all of our senses. And I think this for me, this candle, this roses in winter specifically, is really good for me and caring for my my mental my mental health, but also my uh, my my sense of smell because I smell a lot of poop throughout the day, and some of yes. it's you know some of it's mine, but most of it isn't. Oh. And, <laughs> It's just like it's all that really baby nice. poop, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, gosh, the, oh, I tell them don't eat the soap bubbles; they're gonna have <laughs> diarrhea, and uh, then they right. have diarrhea. But who has to clean that up? Me. So that's <laughs> why I don't care if they have diarrhea if they're potty trained, but they're not potty trained. So you know what? Anyway. Uh, this candle is really good for all that sort of so stuff. So that was Roses in Winter, inspired by Our Lady of Guadalupe. And you yes. can find it at Corda Candles, C-O-R-D-A Candles.com. Yes. So let's move on to our main topic. And before we actually begin, we're going to throw up a giant spoiler warning because we are going to be talking about Disney movies that you may or may not have seen. But most of them have not. They're, they're not recent movies. So... We're not spoiling something that's still in theaters or anything like that. But if you don't want to know how a movie ends, then, you know, I don't know. Spoiler warning. Doesn't matter. So anyway, I looked this up and apparently this is, I want to say interesting, but it's also not. 
but it gives me some sort of context. Um, apparently, there are official requirements for what makes a Disney princess and what doesn't. Um, you have to have the character must have a primary role in a Disney or Pixar film. Okay. The character must be human or human-like in the cases of like Ariel, the Little Mermaid, or, or uh, Tinkerbell. Okay. Uh, the character should not have made her first appearance in a sequel. So she has to be an original character. Um, She should be, I mean, there's a lot of rules. She should be born royal, marry royal, or perform some act of heroism, as in the case of Mulan. Okay, Um, because she wasn't royal, necessarily. She wasn't technically royal, but she falls into the (laughs) Disney princess uh, category. And the other one, this I thought was interesting, is that she can't, uh, she can't have basically been in a huge box office success or a massive failure or something with a big <laughs> cultural impact. So okay. like, uh, like, like uh, Anna and Elsa from Frozen, technically not official Disney princesses because they were so successful, they spawned their own franchise thing. So that's... Oh, oh so that cuts them out of the Disney princess clan, huh? Yeah, they're too successful to be Disney princesses. I don't know why that's a thing, but... These rules are really complicated. And also ridiculous, <laughs> and I don't know why they exist. Well, I like the do. way Maui says it in Moana, because he, he says, he calls her princess, and she says, daughter of the chief, and he goes, if you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you are a princess. Exactly, and we all know that whenever Dwayne the Rock Johnson says anything whether he's maui or whether he's his other himself in his other characters that are all just versions of him the uh we buy it okay i've never right. had dwayne johnson mislead me that's <laughs> no. as, as far as i know so the official list of disney princesses we have snow white cinderella aurora aka sleeping beauty ariel Belle, jasmine pocahontas mulan Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, and Moana. So Perfect. There's some background that I don't think anyone wanted, <laughs> but now we all have. Okay, so I'm going to pick the first one. I want to talk about Rapunzel. Go for it. I love this movie. Um, so this movie, I don't know, Rapunzel's like my Disney princess spirit animal. Um I don't know. I don't know if I can even say that. But anyways, uh, I like it a lot because it to me, it tells the story of conversion and, and redemption. So my husband is a convert. And I think a lot of him and, you know, kind of our story when I watch this movie and I always end up crying. And he reminds me sometimes of Flynn Rider. He even has that funny little chin beard hair thing that Flynn Rider does. Uh, of course he does. <laughs> And so Flynn Rider is living this wayward life. I'm not saying like my husband was living a, a wayward, like terrible life or was, you know, this terrible thief like Flynn Rider or anything, but he he was not specifically religious. So then Flynn Rider stumbles upon the princess who is admittedly somewhat sheltered. And if you want to see like maybe why I might identify with Rapunzel a little bit here, just go back and listen to episode eight. Do you live under a rock? And you will understand. Except that my mother is my real mom and she's super nice and never locked me in a tower. But she did do her best (laughs) (laughs) to shelter us from the evils of the world we were growing up in, like in a good way. Anyways, back to the movie and the redemption story. So Flynn Rider encounters Rapunzel and goes on this journey with her and then has this conversion experience. And when they sing that little song in the boat, um, it just really, it, it, it gets me. Like it goes like, at last I see the light. So he says, all those days chasing down a daydream, all those years living in a blur, all that time never truly seeing things the way they were. Then they do their little refrain. At last I see the light. It's like the fog is lifted. I'm not going to sing. 
thing. At last I see the light. It's like the sky is new, blah, blah, blah. All at once, everything is different now that I see you. So that just makes me think of like when we finally come to realize, like have this conversion like my husband did, you know, from this not necessarily religious background to becoming Catholic, um, you know, the whole world was different in his eyes. Like all of a sudden you're seeing light, you know, Jesus is the light. He's the difference in this world. And everything has changed and everything is different. And suddenly you're living your whole life differently. So to me, whenever I watch this movie, it kind of brings me down memory lane of like meeting my husband, falling in love, and then seeing this amazing conversion experience where his eyes were opened to the light. And it's just, I don't know, it's such a great joy to participate in and and witness the conversion. Um, anytime, you know, I see that in a friend or someone that I know. So yeah, anytime I watch this movie, I get teary and sentimental just thinking about conversion and how good God is, you know, showering people with his light and with his truth. Plus, let's let's just be honest, and I, I might rub some people the wrong way here. Tangled is a better movie than Frozen. Okay, it is. It just is. I, I agree. I, I don't know why Frozen made all that money and why it spawned such a big thing. I'm like, no, no, no. Rapunzel is more likable. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I would watch a spinoff with Kristoff. And oh, Flynn, yeah. that Christoph and Flynn, I think <laughs> okay. that that would be, be interesting. A, that'd be a buddy comedy I'd watch. But <laughs> for, for the most part, anyway, I like Tangled a lot more. And I've only recently just seen both movies. I yeah. finally caught up and saw them, and I was like, "Wait, I finished Frozen," and was I literally thought that that's it? That's all. <laughs> Okay. And then I watched Tangled almost right away. And I was like, this is fantastic. Great movie. Just just keep watching this one. Yes. All right. Your turn. You give me one. So Moana. Okay. I love Moana. I've seen her, seen the movie a million times. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. It's so good. But there's this point where grandma, so Moana's grandma dies really early on. Spoiler. Don't care. And then she comes back as like a like a spirit guide or something. And she starts talking to to Moana. And there's this song they sing. Well, Moana sings most of it. And Moana says all these lines where she's basically struggling with an identity crisis. And this is one that a lot of people struggle with nowadays. And so Moana says, who am I? And then she says, I am the girl who loves my island and the girl who loves the sea. It calls me. So she's describing where she lives, what she loves, what she wants to do, what her desires are. But that doesn't necessarily correlate to who she is. And then she says, I'm the daughter of, of the village chief. We're descended from voyagers who found their way across the world and they call me. So She's saying who her ancestors are, who her family is. Now, family is important. Family is vitally important. But we aren't defined by the actions of our parents or our community. We can't allow, say, oh, well, my, my ancestors did X. So that makes me a bad person. Or I am now handcuffed by the mistakes my father made and I can't learn from them or anything like that. We aren't defined by our past, whether it's our own, what we've done or whether it's what others have done. So Moana continues. She says, I've delivered us to where we are. I have journeyed farther. I'm every, everything I've learned and more. Still, it calls me. Now, she's describing her experiences. This is the Instagram culture. This is the, 
what am I doing? And can you see my, you know, my activities? You can see, oh, I traveled here. Let me put pictures up of it. Oh, I went and did this activity. Oh, I went and did this. Oh, I've accomplished this. And we, a lot of people tend to define themselves by their experiences for better or for worse. To say I did something and it was bad and so I'm bad or I did something and it was, it was wonderful and therefore I'm wonderful. And that is a huge problem we have nowadays, whether it's people descri- uh, describing their, their sexual identity based on, well, I, I waited until marriage or I didn't wait until marriage or I, whatever they may have done. And that that then defines who they are or whether it's something just like, hey, I've traveled or I've done, you know, all these different things, these experiences. We aren't our experiences. And eventually Moana gets to the heart of the matter and <laughs> pun. And she says, I will carry you here in my heart. You'll remind me that come what may, I know the way. I am Moana. So eventually she she realizes, she comes to, to acknowledge and realize that the thing that guides her is living inside of her. Just like we all receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism, the power through which all existence was created. This is who we are. We are our beloved sons and daughters of God. So we have this identity crisis, and Moana very clearly portrays this identity crisis that we are obsessed with defining ourselves by other people, by our possessions, by money, by by experiences, abilities, blah, 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 you know, a hundred other things. But when we find our true identity in Christ, we are free to live, you know, joyful lives. We're free to not be confined by those those worldly limitations. Yeah, I love what you said about that. So I have another Moana one, and it's along the same lines of our finding our identity in Christ. So it's when um, Moana, she climbs that mountain, she's trying to restore the heart of defeat. Tefiti, and she realizes Tefiti is not there. And she turns around and she sees Taka, the lava monster, and she realizes that Tefiti is actually Taka. They're the same person. And so she, there's a couple things to notice that I wanted to point out that really hit me. So she starts with the invitation. So she says to the ocean or whatever, um, let her come to me. Speaking of, you know, Taka, the lava monster. And that just really, that hits me because I think that, you know, our whole journey to Christ starts with this invitation. It starts off with him inviting us to come to him. And so then, you know, the water parts, you can, I don't know, see biblical significance in that or whatever. We can just pass over that. And then Taka, the lava monster. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just make a reference to the people leaving Egypt by the water parting and then saying we can pass over that. Oh yeah, I just, actually I did. That was a great go. wordplay. You're welcome. I, I just had to, <laughs> I thought, I don't even think you noticed what you did. I, I didn't. So thank you for pointing that out. There Cooler than I know. Um, anyways, <laughs> so Taka starts to come towards Moana and Moana sings this powerful song that has me weeping, right? So she starts with, I have crossed the horizon to find you. And this just hits me like with the truth of the incarnation. Like God, the infinite and eternal God became human. He crossed this like infinite chasm, this infinite boundary to reach us. Okay, and then 
uh, Moana sings, I know your name. So this goes back to like what you were saying, our identity in Christ. Christ calls us by name. And if we look in the scriptures, um, Christ like sometimes gives people new names, right? Like Cephas, he gives him the name Peter. Uh, God gives Abram the name Abraham. Jacob turns his name to Israel. So if we think of this in the movie, Taka is, you know, Moana saying, I know your name, your real name, not Taka, Tafiti. Um, so it just makes me think of that, like Christ calls us by name and even gives us a new name and then she says they have stolen the heart from inside you but this does not define you so you already talked about this like our identity in christ and all of us like we're all suffering from these wounds inside us or these these hurts that we have or these crosses that we carry but our our pain and our suffering does not need to define us um and so then she says, um, you know, I know who you are. And then when Moana just reaches out and, and touches her, you can see Taka's transformation, her response to human touch, her response to love, and her whole, like, lava monster demeanor softens. And then Moana replaces the heart. And it makes me think of that line in scripture that says, I will take away your stony hearts and give you natural hearts. Well, Taka turns from this lava monster in back into Tefiti, the living, growing island. So it just makes me think that, uh, you know, Christ covers us in love and he can transform our hearts um, from stony hearts into natural hearts. As long as, you know, we cling to him and we respond to his invitation and respond to his love. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here and talk about Pocahontas first. Okay. Now Pocahontas, I I was I'm gonna talk about two different things in this. One is that it's a fairly straightforward message. You have these two groups of people. You have the the settlers coming in, and you have the Native Americans there. And there's a lot of hostility, and a lot of fear, and a lot of hate, and a lot of violence. A lot of misunderstanding of, of people who look different, but who have the same dignity. And so I think that's something that we tend to brush over a lot of times. There are a lot of problems in our world that if we could just look at someone and see, hey, that's a child of God. That's a beloved child of God right there. That is someone who the Lord created and willed into existence and continues to do so. That would change everything about how we approach our day-to-day life, whether it's somebody who we, you know, we see at the gym or at the grocery store, or it's how we approach, you know, big social and moral justice issues of the day. It's It sounds simple, but it's powerful if we can really take the time to see people that way. Now, I also wanted to bring up that a lot of people approach stories like Pocahontas with this hostile attitude because there there are people who worship the earth instead of God, and that's not okay, obviously. That's not what we're called to do. That's idolatry. That's that's wrong. But in, in Pocahontas, it's there's not—I don't see that as a, a worshiping of the earth. Uh, I see there's a, a glorifying God by caring for his creation, that we don't want— to allow people to just destroy things just for the sake of destroying them or just for the sake of financial gain. We have we have this 
duty. We're commanded in Genesis, actually, to be caretakers of the earth, to, to till the soil, to create as God creates. And uh, look this up. In his 2015 encyclical, Pope Francis wrote about John Paul II's first encyclical. And Pope Francis wrote this, he wrote, speaking of JP2, he warned that human beings frequently seem to see no other meaning in their natural environment than what serves for the immediate use and consumption. Subsequently, John Paul II would call for a global ecological conversion. At the same time, he, John Paul, noted that little effort had been made to safeguard the moral conditions for an authentic human ecology. The destruction of the human environment is extremely serious, not only because God has entrusted the world to us men and women, but because human life is itself a gift which must be defended from various forms of debasement. Accordingly, our human ability to transform reality must proceed in line with God's original gift of all that is. So basically, whenever we're doing something new, whenever we're, we're using the resources that we have, whenever we are expanding our, our businesses, whenever we're changing what we're doing, we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, whether it is, you know, for financial gain or whether it is for, I, I can't even think of other examples right now, but whatever decisions we make, we are called to make sure that everything is in line with God's plan. And so often, I think we tend to be careless about these things because we we see them so politicized and politics is so dirty and not fun. And who really wants to talk about that or listen about it or anything. But if we can see things from a moral perspective, if we can see the dignity of the person and see the dignity of all of God's creation and then take active steps to preserve that, take active steps to make sure that what we are doing is in line with God's plan and God's desires, we will have a much better world. We'll have a much better you know, life because we will be doing things in accordance with God's design. Yeah, I love that. And I, I like what you said about how, um, you, you know, some people might see this as worshiping creation, but how you can see something deeper in it. And, you know, some of the movies that we're talking about, like Pocahontas and about Moana, they have these elements of other, you know, non-Christian religions. And um, I, I think it's it's good and it's like the Christian thing to do to recognize that even though these people that whose whose heritage we're learning about and religions we're learning about a little bit somewhat you know maybe not entirely accurately by watching these movies um, it's okay to see where they got things right and to see you know where they have you know they're seeing things that are good and true and so like you said a lot of the Native American people had a much greater uh, respect for creation than, you know, we ever do. So I think that that is a great spin to take from this movie. Let's uh, let's move real quickly to The Little Mermaid. Um, so it's, I've just, for years, I've always been struck by the whole song, Part of That World, where uh, there's this, there's this yearning, something for something else, something greater, uh, something larger, something unknown. And I, I used to always think of that as a sort of FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, or straight up jealousy, just like, oh, I want to be with them. I want to be over there. I don't want what I have. And so it kind of seems like she's ungrateful for what she has. And a lack of gratitude is so destructive 
Yeah. But I, I also think it's, it's more than that. I think you could see it from a different side, which is we desire God. We desire heaven. We know heaven is there, but we don't really know what it's like. And even in singing the song, Ariel was like, wait, what are those things? Oh, they're called feet. Oh, what that's, you know, like there's, there's an awareness, but an unfamiliarity. And that's kind of how we are positioned in regards to heaven. And we desire, our heart's desire to, to be with God in his eternal dwelling place. Um, so I, I see this as both a, oh, I'm not grateful for what I have, but also I long for something that is greater than what I have. So it could go either way on that. I don't know. No, I think that's awesome. And I mean, why can't it be both ways? But I, what I am thinking about while you're saying that is um, like the virtue of temperance helps us point our desires towards God. So like created things aren't bad in themselves, but our desire for created things points to our desire for God. So I see where you can get that from those movies because she's not really liking those things for those things in themselves. She's attached to those things because it's drawing her upwards, I guess you could say, literally and metaphorically, <laughs> um, to a deeper desire that she has. Definitely. Love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we just want to thank everybody for listening today. And thanks again to Corda Candles for sponsoring this episode. Join us next time for a homeschooling Q&A session. So please, if you can, subscribe, share this podcast with other people, follow us on social media, leave comments, leave ratings, leave all these sorts of things, reviews. That really helps us spread this podcast around. Sarah, where can people find you? To JesusSincerely.com and on social media at To Jesus Sincerely. And you can find me at ChasteLove.org and at The Chaste Love on the various social medias. So try to own two couches, one for sitting and one for storing that clean laundry that you'll put away tomorrow or like the next day or, you know what, heck, just keep that laundry on the couch. It's not going anywhere. And remember, you're never alone. Thank you.